G'day and welcome back to another episode of Bush Yarns. I'm Scotty Connell from Kimberley Spirit and I'm stoked to be able to bring you some more yarns from Mount Bush up here in the Kimberley, northwestern Australia. Let's get into it. Welcome back to another episode of Bush Yarns. <laughs> Do you want to introduce yourself? Say g'day Shane Owen. Yeah man. Uh, hey mate, I'm, I'm uh, Shane Ross. Uh, it's nice to uh, to have you had here on the mango farm this morning. Yeah, it's and, beautiful, uh, man. It's such a nice morning sitting here watching the magpie geese feeding on the mangoes left over the end of the season. And uh, yeah, man, just uh, a man pretty similar to yourself, I guess, in a lot of ways. Um, just love being outside and, and enjoying the outdoors and travel all over the world and Australia. And found myself in the Kimberleys here with you here today, man. It's pretty cool. So. Beautiful way, and there are yeah. a heap of magpie geese out there underneath the mango trees. Mm. And um, nice shady spot we've got here. It is another cooking day, big storm last night. It was 40 plus all week and and all of that in the build up here in the Kimberley. And after a storm like last night, it's a nice humid morning, but beautiful in the shade, isn't it? Yeah, it's so nice, so nice. So um, yeah, we've had a bit of a chat and um, caught up on, on a whole bunch of things and um, do you want to tell just the listeners um, about where you grew up up there in Cape York and, and just a little bit of background in that and your brother and your family and, and that sort of stuff? Yeah, man. Yeah, so I guess like I was telling you already, hey, uh, um, my folks moved up to Bamaga, which is right on the very tip of Australia um, when we were really young. Um, Mum was a high school teacher, so she transferred up there and it was a a mix Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander community, um, now called Nor- uh, Northern Peninsula area, and uh, it was just the most incredible place to grow up. So mm. we moved up there. Mum and Dad moved myself and my brother up. We were six, and well, I was six, and he was two. And uh, in a lot of ways, we were raised by, you know, the elders, the traditional owners in that area. Like once my folks got to know everyone up there, it was really cool to sort of become part of the community um how, how many people in bamaga uh only a couple of thousand yep. across all five there's five communities all together yeah right um there'll be a couple of thousand now there's probably less than that before yep um but it was just so such an amazing spot you're right on the right on the very northernmost point of australia the the it's just beautiful rainforest like there's a little patch of rainforest right on the tip that has a lot of endemic native animals in it yeah um right. and plants uh, you're the gateway to the Torres Strait Islands and then to Papua New Guinea and the rest of the world from there. Yeah. So really, really incredible area. And a lot of, even our schooling captured a lot of the culture up there. So yep. they seem to really nail that. And and even now, like a lot of schooling doesn't capture all the stuff that we did then. Yep. Um, but, you know, every Wednesday afternoon we do dance, like Torres Strait Islander Aboriginal dance classes. Yeah, yeah. So like me and my brother learned Shake a Leg a long time ago. We've always been able to do the dances. Yeah. <laughs> um, it was a really cool mix of, uh, you know, a lot of the Torres Strait Island dances involve um, a lot of really uh, sort of weaving animal movement yep. sort of dances. Yep. Um, lots of strong, like there tends to be a lot of, um, you know, like warrior stories and, and those sorts of things as well. And lots of like hunter-gathering tales and really, really cool. And just learn the diversity of, of culture that's captured in just a dance alone, yeah, let alone yeah. the storytelling and... You know, we get taken out by, <laughs> by you know, the elders out on the on the banks of the river and and catching fish and cooking them in the sand right there with them. And you know, you learn not to talk around those guys because you know they're the elders, they're the ones that get to speak. You're just the the young the youngsters, so you've just got to be quiet and and just listen. So I feel I learned to do that a lot early on. You know, like yep. pick up a lot of like connection to country and how to live and and enjoy the outdoors. And yep. And now carry that to current day you know like try and utilize that in my in my job now and and in everything that we do it's just so special that that indigenous culture that aussie has absolutely and there is like vastly different to kimberley you know being top of the cape and top of the east coast and having new guinea so close and the islands and and all of that the similarities the differences can you suggest a few or go there a bit yeah. on what you've experienced here in the Kimberley to over there there's a lot like even if you look in the Kimberley alone at the different art styles like yep. if you compare you know the the Mirong art here in Kununurra to the Kalamburu art you know like Kalamburu has a lot of wanjanas and that mm. you know the rain story 
yep. stuff and here uh, and even if you go further south from here obviously the the art's different mm. in the straits and 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 in bamiga and, and those communities um you've got a mix of aboriginal cultures and a mix of island cultures all sort of mixed into the one big community and um a lot of the dancing um Oh, what would you call it? Um, like the headdresses that they have there are all cockatoo feathers and really elaborate. And, you know, the way those um, Bernie beans cut in half to make like shakers on their ankles. And, yep. you know, they use clapstick, same as people do here. <coughs> um, there's also that misconception that a didgeridoo is used everywhere, right? So mm. um, to see where that actually comes into culture is really cool as well. Yeah. But, yeah, the dancers were all different there. If you learn Aboriginal versus you learn Torres Strait Islander, they're they're entirely different. Yeah. Um, the Aboriginal stuff will will involve things like kangaroos and animals that are on the mainland. You know, like things that that you would see on a, in a, on a, in Australia. So yeah. like cuscus and and all sorts of other really cool animals. Yeah. If you go to the Straits, it's more about turtles and dugongs and birds, things that live on those islands in that island yeah. chain. So it's yeah. really, really cool, man. And the art captures that too. So. Yeah, I bet. And that's someone that knows country for you listeners. If you ask someone about culture and about stories and about that to refer to the art immediately, to me is someone that understands it, you know, because yeah. the art styles that differ and the art is everything. You know, we've got libraries and we've got history, you know, mm. books and all this sort of stuff. And in culture, it's the art, it's the dances. It's, you know, that's what is culture, right? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, I think art's one of the main... I mean, it, it dates back to, what we say, forty to 60,000 years, right? We can see it still on the... Like, even some of the social media you've put out lately, mate, with all of the uh, the rock art stuff. It's it's just really cool to see that, mm. you know, in in the country, still in place out there. You, you, go, you know where to look and you can find that sort of stuff. And anyone um, that's spent a considerable amount of time on the land, um, or in, you know, in areas where there's been, you know, a lot of Aboriginal people, Indigenous, you know, um, tribal sort of areas like Kimberley and the Cape and the top of um, Kakadu, you know, top of... All, all around Australia, but anywhere where it's really evident, you, the art is the thing that never ends because you're yeah. just always exploring and seeing. It's like it's what opens your eyes, isn't it? Absolutely, To the yeah. dancing and to like you're just talking about the, the dress, you know, the all the different totems and everything is on the walls, mm. right? Mm. Yeah, I think I think you're right. Yeah, art really captures it. It's, that, it's eternal, you know. Once, yeah. it's, once it's written down, it's, it's sketched, it's painted. It's there forever. Dance changes over time. Yep. Language even changes over time. Yep. Um, so, yeah. But, yeah, man. That's really cool. There's a few things that really stand out and we could yarn all day to Shane. He's done so many different things. Um, had amazing careers from, you know, Cape York and then going into the environment side of things and finishing that in Townsville, as you're saying, in, in uni and then across here and Africa. And so a couple of things that really stand out to me and that I really want to hear more about and others to hear more about as well is your time in Africa guiding and also a trip um, which you've done recently. We might start with this one because um, it's the most recent thing given the COVID um, pandemic sort of shut down the Africa side of things and and then you thought, hey, well, I just might well jump in my canoe, <laughs> kayak and paddle to the top of Cape York. That's nuts. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's really cool. <laughs> really cool that it happened. It's almost, it's a bit surreal that we talk about it now. Yeah. You know, like awesome. we, we finished at this time last year Um and by we, I mean myself and, and another mate, Albert. Um, he'd come to me, oh, I don't know, probably five, six years ago, maybe more. Yeah. And said, oh, let's do this. What, what do you think about doing this Cape York paddle? Like, let's paddle from, from Cairns all the way to the tip of Cape York. It's about, uh, that's about 2,000 Ks, that particular journey. And um, we said, yeah, let's do it. But we just never made time, you know. Just life got in the way and didn't get around to doing it. <coughs> and... Um, like you say, Africa, I was guiding in Africa and that that was cut off to me when COVID hit at the start of last year and that was my livelihood, you know, like I'd, I'd built everything for five years, put everything in the bucket for that coming together and, and running these incredible safaris where you get to show people, you know, Africa in its rawest form and you get to see their faces light up when they see a lion for the first time and, and all these amazing things. And um, all of that was just suddenly unreachable you know it was it was, it was gone so 
had to try and reinvent myself and a lot of people were suggesting you know like start guiding here in australia and it's like well at the time there were no options there was mm. you know you know yourself being in tourism like it was all over <laughs> no it was over for everybody there's no there, we had no certainty on on who could do what um yeah, we, we mentioned it earlier, actually. My brother runs Cockatours in, in Cape York, a tour business there, and he's the only operator that actually got anyone on the ground last year. Yeah, right. And that took a lot of work, like getting to see that behind the scenes was really, really, really amazing. And you would have worked the same, like to try and get something actually happening. But anyway, in the I meantime... I shut the year down. I just straight away when Equestra and a few of our big players up here shut the doors. It was like, yeah. that's enough yeah. for us just to totally shut down and know that it's not happening this year and we've got to figure out an alternative plan but your brother's tours you can find him on instagram on social media at cockatoo at cockatoos at, at yeah. yeah so check that out as yeah. well guys he's, he's very like-minded yeah he's one of us yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah he's a bit of a weapon and yeah. great fella but sorry back to you yeah yeah so we um at the start of last year had had no idea what to do so mm. i was at a loss and, and just thought i'll can't run a business I could try and find a job but there's no certainty in jobs at the moment <clears throat> so instead uh, what I'll what I'll try and do is, is go and go on an adventure there's something that I'd always want to do and and uh, I'd always plan to sail the east coast and you know take my time and have a vessel that was a bit more reliable than a kayak to <laughs> you know be able to carry some water with you and stuff but yeah anyway started putting plans together talked to Albert um, this mate of mine and, and we we had to plan to leave uh, the start of September we knew we'd be cutting it a bit fine with uh, northerlies coming in at that time of year. So, so north, north direction winds that, w- that would have pushed us backwards and made the journey really, really hard. So we're hoping we'd just get it done in time. And we, we, we worked on a plan and ended up coming up with, I think Albert had about 80 days was his plan. And we cut it back to about 60, knowing in two months would be a long time on the ocean mm. in sea kayaks. So I think they're 17 foot, five meter sea kayaks are really quite small. <laughs> And everything, everything Two you do every day, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, sitting down every day paddling. Um, some days having days off to to just enjoy the country, but yeah, man, it was just amazing to to get out there. And the main purpose of it was to switch off from social media. Mm. Uh, one of the main reasons, just all of the madness. I mean, it's still going on now, eighteen months later. Yep. All this drama, you know, about who's getting vaccinations and all this stuff. Let's just go and get away from it for a bit. And we switched our phones off 1st of September and we pushed up from Cooktown into 40 knot winds, 35 knot winds with gusts. <laughs> it's absolutely crazy. It's one of the one of the wildest days of my life. I spent most of that day thinking I was going to die um, just with the, the way the water was. Like the sea was angry. Uh, the winds were against us. We were paddling into the wind all day. We hadn't... We'd done some practice runs leading up to that, but nothing more than a sort of a couple of hour journey. Whereas, I think that that day we paddled seven or eight hours straight, and we couldn't yeah. stop. If you yeah. stop, you get pushed to shore, and then you've got to start again. Yeah, right. And so it's an absolute mission. Um, we end up doing about five days in a row of really gnarly paddles yeah. before we beat the wind and we got the direction behind us. Um, but yeah, the, the greater trip was two months, two months, a thousand kilometres from Cooktown to the tip of Cape York. Um, living off what we could paddle, what we had in our kayaks. Yep. So just took the bare essentials, ultimate minimalism. We've talked about earlier as well. And yep. you know, you've got your paddle, you've got a fishing rod, um, you've got flour um, to you know be able to break some dampers here and there and stuff like that. <laughs> some some pretty basic condiments, but but also making sure we had a lot of options so we could change the flavors every day. Yeah. So we cooked fish a, a dozen different ways. You know, we spread it all. It was always different. What was your favourite way of cooking fish? Or um, what became the go-to anyway? Oh, Albert had a really amazing way of cooking um, using using flour. So he'd combine flour, turmeric, and a bit of curry powder. Yep. And give the fish a light dusting. It was pretty easy to do every day. Like even yep. if you came in, you were wrecked at the end of the day. Um, Albert was always ready to just do the work, no matter how how broken we were. Yep. And uh, yeah, he. Every day we'd we'd come in. Oh, I think we only had two or three days in the whole time we didn't have fish, and yeah. we'd still go and get oysters or something. Yeah. And um, yeah, that was my favourite. Do oysters get old? They do. <laughs> Everything <laughs> they does. Do. <laughs> they do. That's why we took so many flavours. Yeah. So we could change stuff Perfect. up, right? So absolutely. And we 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 took with us a lot of understanding of the landscape too. So yeah. Talked to quite a lot of people before we left. We we all had a pretty good understanding of 
um, of the land and what we could use in it as well. So bush tucker wise. Yep. Um, so at different times we cooked uh, we cooked up um, a damper that had. Um, oh, I'm not going to be able to remember the name of the bush now. Um, Wong Eye Plum. Cooked a Wong Eye Plum damper a few times, and it's if you can imagine a cinnamon scroll mm. going into the oven, and then you pull it out and you break it open, and that steam comes yeah. out, and it's oh so good <laughs> so in that world where you've got really basic flavors like you've, you've just got what you're catching and, and water every yep. day that mixing up flavors is so important yep and so yeah it was it was amazing had a lot of hectic encounters with crocodiles sharks the probably the hardest thing was exposure yep you know every day in the sun uh, we ran out of water a couple of times which is pretty got pretty scary yeah, so you have to live on coconuts for a couple of days, and yep. that's not good for your body long term either. So, yep. yeah, um, a couple of things in what you've just said there. So the water mainland islands was a bit it of I- both. Yeah, okay, bit of both. So Albert was really keen to do um, islands the whole way. Yep. The reason being, he thought there'd be less crocs out there. Yep. Um, and I wanted to go mainland the whole way because I knew water would be more reliable. Yep. Um, and we'd have a chance to. If we could do a lot of landscape stuff, also um, running out of water, give us like, give us the gnarliest example. What's that look like? Oh, like, we we had a we'd done a bit of work with some guys before we left. They'd done the trip before, but they they completed it early in the year. Yep. Uh, we were not paddling until September October, and it was dry super dry season. Yep. Uh, one of the worst in a long time. Um, yep. And so we'd also I had a drone with me to to ideally be able to help us scope for water if we couldn't find any by foot. Yep. Um, but the drone the drone disappeared into the ocean about three weeks, four weeks into the trip. <laughs> oh, no. With all of and the that saves you climbing with hills. all the data on it. Oh, so I was like yeah. yeah, we uh yeah, that was heartbreaking. That was one of those real hard moments. But that we couldn't use that <laughs> to look for water anymore. So yep. there was one particular time where I think we were about three weeks in, um and we knew there was water behind the sand dunes. Mm. Um, we looked at the maps and we thought yeah but we know there'll be water there it'll be fine but what had happened is all the fresh water dried out throughout the years year, and all the swamps that were normally full were dry uh, we did walk past one freshwater soak which is basically where wallabies had literally just dug a hole into the sand and mm. we could see fresh water and we tasted it and it was like that's fresh water mm. we didn't mark it with a GPS and we because we thought we'd find more yep. you know um, and we could have gone back and found it, but we were just so broken by the end of that day of looking, we didn't have the energy to go back and find this maybe source of water again. Yeah, right. So um, we looked all day, didn't find anything. Um, we only took about a litre each because we thought we were going to find water. Yep. Everything, all the research we'd done told us there was water there. Yep. And so we drank that within by midday, <laughs> you know, and then decided to try and walk up the river to see if we could find fresh water up this river that, yep. was, that was, you know... Um, we only ended up getting about two kilometres from the coast. So what that meant, we thought, well, maybe the fresh water comes down quite a way because it was tidal, it was still salt water as far up as we got. So we'd have to, we would have had to walk 10 k's even further up to maybe find fresh water. Yeah, so right. Everything we tried, we, we sort of got beaten on. Um, and there was just wasn't, there were no options. Like, it's not like we could have just pulled water out of a out of a hat you know there just wasn't wasn't a lot going on there so yeah yeah we um we end up coming back we we marked spot we remembered where actually the only way we could find our way back to the right spot on the beach was from three coconut trees we saw when we headed in that morning yeah and i remember going back finding that coconut tree and uh, we had to cross the saltwater creek a couple of times we were just so desperate for water by then we just we sort of recklessly abandoned let's just jump across this river and hope we survived the crocodiles that are in there was that life and death sort of was that oh. like you're leaving all brain power behind and just sort of going a little we'll get we're a bit desperate thought by then yeah, yeah. like it wasn't good. completely we weren't swimming across this river but a couple of times got up to like waist deep in mud yeah not um, ideal not ideal you know. <laughs> good chance there's not a croc in there because low tide but still scary yeah i mean you know they'd be in there at high tide so yeah but yeah got back to the coconut tree i think we we cracked open about 10 coconuts like took one at a time smashing them until we had about 10 in yep and then we're like okay now let's like st- more strategic slow down and now collect some and slowly drink them and put them into our water bottles and take them back to camp yep 
And um, That was a few weeks in? That was about three weeks in. Yeah, yeah, right. So we had about a week to go before we knew we'd get to the next reliable source of water. Yep. Um, but our only options, there was no more water after that point, definitely yep. not. Our only options were coconuts from then on. Yeah. And so, you're so when you're paddling away from the mainland, well, paddling away from mainland island, whatever it was, and you're just back out in the ocean and you haven't got much water. That must nah. have been a pretty interesting feeling. It's so bizarre to be to be on water. Yep. You know, to be sitting yeah. on and feeling it and knowing that you can touch water but you can't do anything with it. Yep. Uh, it, it was it was limiting. You know, it was actually yep. pretty scary. I bet. And I've never been that short of water before. Nah. Huh. For anything. Nah. Yeah, nah. Nah. Right. That was. It was a real test. It was a real. It was. We kept our calm and we talked about it, which was which was crucial. Like just having a bit of a plan on. Okay, if we don't have any water by this particular day, where we're going to rush the the last few days of paddling and smash yep. them and get there. Yep. Um. But yeah, which it was is a, a luxury chat, really, isn't it? Yeah, a little <laughs> bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. But that would that would also be a, like a big investment of of energy to get uh, to get there. So. That's what you talk about, crocs and sharks and stuff, and then you go, oh yeah, and the exposure. It's like in Australia, people don't understand. That and even from the southern states, you know, may not or cities or whatever, but the sun is the gnarliest part. And yeah. it's the same up here this week. It's forty plus every day, you know. And you you got <laughs> animals and things that can get you, but you understand them and you understand a bit more about them. The sun is something you know, really generally most people have to learn the hard way through an exhaustion or through a yeah. lack of you know through a process of nearly cooking yourself to realize that it's gnarlier than anything. Yeah, you make a mistake walking down to a waterhole or something, right? And you're like, well, it's pretty safe still yeah. whereas this was yeah there was <laughs> there was no plan b you know like yeah yeah it was real daunting so um, what about shark a particular shark that came alongside or um, that was in a zone or probably more the unknown you would yep. you would know that they were behind you underneath you at any particular time yep um pretty safe in a kayak it's not yeah. not a chance of a shark plucking you out in any way yeah um but also probably the scariest thing with them was occasionally hooking one yep and then having to fight that to the boat. Yep. Instead of, you know, you only take so many lures on a trip, right, to be able to yeah, catch fish. and you need them. Fish, yeah, you need them. <laughs> you can't just cut that one off every time you have no. a shark on. So we'd battle them into the boat. And, and, and I remember one day, like, we're crossing Jackie Jackie River, which is the gnarliest river crossing we had. Um, it's about 27 kilometers across. Oh, yeah. Wow. Hectic. And um, the boys had gone ahead I, I was having a few troubles with my kayak and i just said no nah, look i'll catch you up I'm, I'm sure i can figure this out won't be it won't be too bad and um pushed them ahead and then i, I pushed offshore and uh 200 meters offshore i broke my rudder that i thought i'd just fixed yeah so went back tried to fix it again broke it again and then just gave up it's like oh, it looks like i'm paddling 27 k's without a rudder today mm. and um and like when they've gone ahead inverted commas that they're gone. Like you can't see them. They're nah, gone. You yeah. just know where you're going. Like if I was 500 meters behind, I would have been able to catch them up. <laughs> yeah. But once, once they were like a speck on the horizon, then yep. it's like there's no way. Yep. It's almost like you see, you know, you see any of those those movies on the water, and it's like any of the sort of pirate stuff. You're like, <laughs> they can catch each other. No way, man. Not yep. unless their boat's faster. Yep. And this is a real eye opener for that. Like we had sails on the, on our kayaks, and yep. that was another dimension again. Yep. But once you put the sail the sail up, every boat's on the same page, and oh, there's yep. no way I could catch them. Yep. So I just I just did, I just figured out I was on my own for the day, and yep. um, came across this particular patch of, of country that I knew'd have some nice fish on it. I was hoping for a Spanish mackerel for lunch. Yep. Or for dinner, and um, within minutes hooked a big shark, got it to the boat. It wasn't big in in in. You know, in terms of like great whites and stuff like that, but bigger than a handful in a kayak. Yeah, it's about four and a half, five foot long. <laughs> yeah. Get it to the boat. Try and go near its mouth. It's full of teeth as well. It's got a lure in its mouth. Yeah, full of hooks. And trying to do that while it's going nuts on the deck of your boat. Yeah, it's got really essential gear on it. That you can't afford to break fishing rod. You can't afford to break. <laughs> yeah. Like all of the stuff was just really like you don't get many chances. Like if you break one one crucial element, that could wreck the whole trip. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was a mission. I caught three in a row that day, yeah, and I had right. no no rudder. And yep. I was like, "Nah, that's this is it. I'm yep. giving up." And the third one almost pulled me in. Like yeah, it almost right. tipped me over. Yeah. And if you go over on your own, it's really really hard to get back in. Yeah. So what does a bailout? You just mentioned it, but you know, do you trip in? What what does a bailout look like? Is that a heli 
pick up? Is that a yeah search and rescue? Yeah, like, what, yeah, it'd be what, pressing. That, that's something you had to think about. Yeah, at so we some had point. we had this thing with us called a, a spot device. Yep. Um, there's a few other GPS versions, but basically you you flip a flip a button open and, and press the SOS button and help will come. And that's all. That's you all hope out. it's going to come. Yeah. You know? There's also you have a couple other buttons assigned with like prearranged messages that. Yeah. Would go to my my dad and a couple other people and go, hey, like, we need help. We're in this particular, like, bring, you know, whatever your prearranged message said would be like, bring water and food to this location. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so. <laughs> but you never know what's going to be the problem, right? He might get there and actually you've broken a leg or something else. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's hard. There's no comms. No. Nah. There's no reception. And Two generally, if, about you, it. if you're pressing an SOS couple months without comms without reception if you are pressing an <laughs> sos button there's generally a plane in the sky above you within a few hours in most cases in australia yeah which is just locating and then Man. someone else out and that could be days and could be however long re- in reality isn't it yeah so what about crocodiles that's sharks and that's hectic you know and all of that when you're sitting in a you know and they go off where you sit in a boat and you you know shark comes and takes your fish and hmm. you're going for a journey but what about crocs you know any particular standout moments or yeah well I, I should also say we had uh, well originally albert and i did the start of the trip yeah uh, we had three other guys join us as well so my brother came another fella dan gunsberg and, and as gallagher so the five of us end up doing the last month together yep um and when albert and i were planning he was more keen on sticking to the islands there like we said there would be less crocs ideally and, and mine was mainland but a bit of both, so we end up combining the the two. We sort of did a bit of time on the islands, a bit of time on the mainland, back and forth. And um, it was amazing the stuff that we saw on that journey. But mm. we spent about the first two weeks out on the islands, and then we came back to shore to get water and uh, and some barramundi fishing. Right, so we hadn't no barramundi out in the islands, so we thought we'd come back in. And we steered really wide of this particular patch of mangroves, probably five six hundred meters out from it, and then. All of a sudden I hear from behind behind me over my right shoulder, Albert just screams out croc, like croc, top of his voice. And then I just see him paddling hectic, like as fast <laughs> as fast as he could behind beside me and just overtook me and was just absolutely <laughs> floating. <laughs> he turned white, he was just gone yeah. pale. And yeah. <laughs> uh, and I looked I looked behind me in the same moment and just saw this, this five meter crocodile, resident male crocodile. Yeah. For some reason, I don't know why, but he we happened to paddle right over the top of him. Yep. He was under the water. Yep. Paddled over the top of him, and then he just materialized behind my kayak as I went over. Yeah. I came up to see what we were. Yep. And um, he came up right beside Albert and obviously scared the heck out of oh, him. Yeah. So um, the two of us then, like I've kind of, I don't know, I guess I found it probably a little bit funny in that someone else was... <laughs> freaking out more than I, than I was because he saw it first so yeah. I kind of got a little bit of a, a chance to have a chuckle and just like laugh in the face of danger but yeah yeah we managed to get to shore and, and I, I remember just looking at Albert's face and he was just like nah we should have gone on the islands the whole time yeah. so we didn't stay long there we stayed that night um had a pretty hairy camp knowing that that crop so was what was he then like, when you turn around what 10 meters behind you or something or further oh, or? even closer really yeah probably four or five minutes behind big croc he like was, that, he right was big. Yeah. and like just cruising along just checking you or was he motoring he was facing he, off. he was facing by, actually behind so he was yep. his tail was towards me and his head was away uh, right. so he'd That's come a good up sign for you <laughs> luckily for me but as albert spooked as well and started paddling yep. the croc also spooked yep um, oh, okay. And this thing erupted on top of the water, and like imagine a, imagine like a humpback breaching and that massive wave that they cause. Like this thing erupted, and I just the, I remember the sound of that that it's an eruption is the best word, right? It just exploded on top of the water yeah. and then just disappeared again. And was like, oh my goodness, like get us out of here! It's hectic, <laughs> hectic. Let's go. So I remember just when we got to camp, we pulled the kayaks up as far as we could and just sat there and looked back out to sea and just went, nah. <laughs> yeah. That guy means business, you know? Yeah. Um, so when he erupted, he erupted like going from you or he erupted sort of spooked towards you for a moment? Spooked was- and sort of turned under us. Like yeah, turned right. as though he would come under me. Yeah. So I'll be just like, nah, we got to go. Get yep. out of here. 
And the water was clear? No, nah, it was dirty. Nah, it was dirty water. Yeah, so, so you couldn't see. Couldn't see. You wouldn't wouldn't have known what was going on. Yeah. So it was like, nah, let's get out of here. So the whole paddle in was anxious then. Yeah. 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 It wasn't a moment because he could be right under you on you, whatever. But yeah. He I, he wouldn't have been able to keep. Well, I'd say he wouldn't be able to keep up. But you've seen those things swim. He wouldn't yeah. have been able to if he wanted to. Yeah. Um. He'd have to but be keen, yeah, though. we had a few other encounters throughout. One one croc at what at, at night had tried to come up into our camp. Yep. Um, when the back to basics boys were camped out on the on the edge of the on the right on the edge of the the bank. Yep. Um, this croc had come up and it was going to sneak up at about eleven o'clock. And luckily, my brother spotted his eyes, like slowly sneaking to come up the bank. Yep. Um, so we we ended up staying up and watching him and making sure the tide dropped before so he wouldn't come up. Yeah, right. But um, that was spooky. And I had another one that sort of followed me a little bit off one island as well. Yeah. So they were on the islands. They're on the mainland. They're everywhere. Yep. But we just knew we, we went there respecting them. You know, we're in their territory. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm just trying to be smart. You know, like camp far enough up the bank, we're not going to upset them. Um, and just always know, like they could be anywhere. So. Yeah. And that's so different what we're talking about there, like here in the Kimberley and in the top end of Cape York and stuff. Talking about the crocodiles and the snakes and stuff that we've got here and then going to Africa and having lions and it's just a whole mm. different ball game isn't it so yeah. you've experienced both but and we'll get to the Africa chat but so that's the the crazy <laughs> stuff as far as no water um, crocs sharks the elements and then that sounds like it's about midway through by now yeah yeah yep. yeah, yeah it's about, about the, midway the next sort of month up around the top the second month was easy yeah, in right. comparison yeah um, especially for us because we had a month under our belts and we'd yep. done we'd done all the gnarly stuff right at the start. So, and the other boys joined you then. They joined us then, yeah. And you can just join along the coast. There's tracks that go down the yeah, coast. Yeah, there's several. We we'd sort of made a plan to have a restock. Yeah, so yeah, a couple okay. of guys are going to bring us some more some more food. Yep. So we wouldn't run out. We couldn't carry enough. Yep. One of the main things that we missed, and it's a mental game as well, right? All of this stuff, but mm. main things were snacks, like having the right <laughs> snacks to get you through the day. Yeah. And we we sort of rationed everything out so we knew what we could have, and it was something like a muesli bar a day, one of those really like those little fruit sticks, and maybe a chocolate bar or a couple of sweets. Yeah. A packet of lollies that you meant to make last, you know, a week, um, and you'd split them up into glad bags of, you know, to try and make sure you only had your quota. Yep. I remember one of the days I, I broke I broke my favourite fishing rod and I just had the best day with it and then it just <laughs> in a really silly situation it got stuck on the on a on a bommy on the bottom yeah and I was just pulling it up and I was just about to stop for the day and just made this silly little mistake and then trying to get it undone it snapped the rod in half mm. and that was my that was my tool right to catch fish yeah and I just I just, <coughs> I just I was devastated. So upset, it's you know, like it's the small things, right? Like, yeah. it's not a big deal, yep, but it's everything on the water that's yeah. food, yeah. So, I remember getting into the shore, and Albert was still out there with me then, and I just waved at him and just like made different hand signals. <laughs> it's like, oh, I'm done, I don't want to do this anymore, I'm finished, I've lost my drone, I've lost my rod. I'd had a, I'd had a bad 24 hours where I got bitten open up by a barracuda that yep. I caught, um. I'd wet my phone, which had all the navigations on it. It had photos on it. It had all sorts of stuff on it. <laughs> Music, all those things that are really important. As in wet it, as in soaked it, or like you had... Two drops, but two very perfectly placed drops that oh, wrecked no. it. <laughs> oh, no. and it. And it was written off. Oh, um, and that was it? That was it. Oh, no, Never, never it started again. No. Oh, no. And that was my ability to fly the drone, which we, we then couldn't find the water with. And yep. It's amazing the technology how quickly something can switch like the tiniest little thing happened um i also lost a handline that i'd spent a lot of work fixing and you know like all these tools to catch food and yep. to record the trip and i just lost them all in this 24-hour period <laughs> i was ruthless and then i broke the rod and i got to the shore and i remember just opening up one glad bag and i smashed all of the snacks in there mm. and then opened another one and i ate all the snacks in there <laughs> oh, no. and i went through three of them just in my like instant depression like i just need to eat to get myself through yep. this moment yep and then i looked at all the wrappers on the you know that i collected after this and just <laughs> went oh no oh that's so bad <laughs> and then the that's guilt. three days maybe five or six days where the snacks <laughs> gone in one sitting yeah and the guilt and everything yeah yep, so it was, it. it was hectic but um i remember then <laughs> I, I i had to give myself a talking to and be like okay now we don't have any food for for tonight. You've just had all of these snacks that you probably should have waited for. Yep. Um, time to go and catch dinner. I had a fly, had a bit of fly gear there, so a fly rod. Yep. 
and um, snuck down to this little patch of sand, the sand spit, and um, pulled the fly rod out, and I caught three beautiful little trevally for dinner, and uh, and that was food. And I remember just sitting there that night, and we'd we'd found a turtle had come up and nest right next to us, and and those incredible island full of birds, mm. and um, just going, this is incredible. All the beautiful things. All these incredible things. Yeah. And I just went from the lowest point to the highest point again. Just going, yeah. it doesn't matter. I caught fish with a fly rod, so I wasn't, you know, I still had options. Yeah. So. And that's that pressing through, that that really enduring that mm. moment, isn't it? And then pressing through and going, all right, next step. Yeah. You know, not giving up. Yeah, not, not giving up. Yeah. Yeah. And Albert, Albert was amazing for that. Like, if you're doing trips like this, it's really important to pick the, the right people to do it with. Yeah. And he was that guy for me that was just always able to to just say the right things at the right time snap yep. me out of it yep. so I had a couple of bad days with yep. with lost gear and yep. um, he saved me like I would have it would have taken me a lot longer if I hadn't had him there you know yep. and I hope I was the same for him but yep. we worked well as a team and then when the other boys joined us it was it was great as well we shared the load we could all of us do a fair bit of cooking together and that was really cool yeah that's awesome so and so then another three guys joined, joined you which just completely changed the dynamic. Changed the dynamic entirely. So yeah. we're Albert and became I became just a fun paddle. Yeah, it's a pretty fun paddle. Yeah, yeah. yeah we, we could relax a little bit more in some ways where we we um we could all take turns catching fish and cooking fish. Yeah, so right. where Albert and I would previously like, as soon as we get into camp, we've had a quarter of fish already. We'd yep. have to go and do that. Yep. Then it'd be the other person's turn. Whoever didn't cook the night before would then have to cook that night. Yep. Even if you were naked, you still have to do it. Still got to set up <laughs> camp. You've got to pull everything out of your kayak every day because they're so strategically loaded that yeah. there's no space. You can't take a, a book to read. You, know, you can't. There's no space for anything other than the essentials. Yep. Um, so it's really important to get all. Of, and that, it took six months planning to get to that point. Yep. Um, and then when the when the other three boys joined, then yeah, we it was a bit of a safety net, you know. Like yep. we Albert and I had a really great time watching them experience it like we would have done. Yeah, absolutely. So like watching some of the boys see waves for the first time come yep. over the front of the kayak and we didn't get anything too extreme like nothing over sort of 50 20 knots in that second half yeah um but some of those days were still tolling and and we could sit back and watch the journey they were on and go we know what you're going through like yeah yeah look it might not be as extreme as what we went through but it's still your own journey yep. your first taste of it and, and we get it <laughs> um we did have more battles in that second half just yep. with the green where we'd camp because someone yep. would want to camp here another one would want to go there and you know issues about navigation all sorts of things and the more people the more voices yep. gets more challenging but um that was was great there a chief there's a few indians many indians but was, yeah was we there sort someone of, who was it um albert it was probably albert and i that yep. that sort of held those like you know we how old is albert uh, he's 36, I think. So he's similar age. Yeah. Everyone's a similar age. Yeah, 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 yeah. So he, and he had, Albert was by far the most experienced in yep. being on the water. He'd done years, probably close to a decade of kayak stuff yeah, off right. islands off the East Coast. So he'd done a, f a lot of it. Yep. Um, but we'd done, or I'd done a lot more of that sort of living off the land, longer term stuff. Yep. So we both brought something to the party. The other boys all brought things as well. And yeah. It was a really good mix. We we, we had a great group, and mm. and it's really important to get that dynamic right. Yeah. Um, but one of the things I learned, and I probably just my frustrations of being on that trip, and, and you know, I, I know what it was like in the first half, and knowing all the challenges that I faced. Yep. Then when the other voices came and they wanted to do things their way, it's like, well, we've just planned this trip. Yeah. Like, sort of rocking my boat a little and bit. It's kind of it's been working. And it's we're been here working, and, and you're yep. now upsetting things <laughs> yeah. so and you're all good fellas everyone's everyone's you know, awesome we yeah. all get along really well we're all good mates now but you know like nothing's changed but yeah just one of those challenges that you're bound to face it's that mental roller coaster you know yeah um but i learned and it was it was probably my biggest lesson of the trip is that communication is just so so important and i bottled things up because i got frustrated with things not being the way i wanted and yeah the boys pulled me aside and just went nah look it's okay we understand where you're coming from let's work together we'll figure it out happy days yep those when you when there was a group of you, um, did you still have days where you can't see each other, or were you all sort of paddling? Nah, in a group we all then? we 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 tried to stick together. Yeah. Especially hairy, sort of like some of the legs were quite spooky, and that yep. you know it was we we're paddling from an island to a spot on the land, maybe, 
And when you look at something on a map, it's never like it actually is on the ground. You know, yeah. you think you look at, you come into a river mouth, like a river mouth looks, should be really obvious, you know? Yeah. But if you come into one that has had many changes or a big season of floods and it doesn't look anything like what it did on the map or years ago, yep. then it throws you completely. Mountains all the way along there? Nah, rarely. Really? Yeah. Because you think danger... Great, great dividing ranges inland. You could uh, see them, yeah, but there were none right. on the coast where we were. Yeah. So, so you haven't got good landmarks. No vantage. No, no, nowhere you can chart. climb and look out. Yeah, and on yeah. the charts, you're not looking and saying, oh, that point right there is that, and straightforward, here yeah, we go. Yeah, pretty rarely. Islands were easier. Um, yep. yep. Albert and I had a really cool paddle. It's my favourite paddle of the whole trip, where we left one of the really big islands uh, around Princess Charlotte Bay. Um, by that stage, we are about 50, 60 kilometres offshore. Yeah. Um, off now where the East Coast would be when we reconnected with it. And it was a big bay. And, um, yeah, I remember we were, we were heading to this place. It was just a K. Like literally just a, a bit of coral rubble, you know, on a, on the top of a reef. Yep. And you couldn't see it when we left the island, and we're hoping that our compasses were right. Yeah. Like both of our compasses were slightly different, yeah. even though they were exactly the same. Yep. Um, something in my kayak was sending mine a little bit off. Yep. Just the magnetics were affecting it. Um, possibly my camera, my battery, something like that. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it was it was uh, it was a real challenge, but. To paddle off into the blue, and it was proper blue, you know, like that incredible deep ocean blue. <laughs> and I remember, like, at one stage, we we looked out and we could see turtles. We Actually, no, it wasn't turtles we could see. We'd see seagulls. This one seagull just standing on water like this bird standing on water. <laughs> and was just, you know, like, by that stage, we're two, three weeks in. Yeah. Starting to wonder if our minds are, uh, are all together, <laughs> and we see this bird standing on water, just going. Why? <laughs> there's no log, there's no nothing at dawn, which is yep. like it's literally levitating. Like, yeah, it's just standing on water. <laughs> and then we get over to this thing, and he's standing on the back of a turtle. Oh wow! Like wow, what? The, there's this sim symbiotic thing going on here, where this turtle's agreed to let this bird swim its back, and they're both just hanging out. Yep. It's that whole like a frog on a snake's back across yeah. floodwater sort of thing. Real That's bizarre. So cool. And then we looked over further. There's another one, another bird yeah, sitting on a turtle's back. Like, <laughs> this is so weird. <laughs> and not long after that, we both got sort of enveloped in this massive school of flying fish. Yeah, right. Some of them hit us, yep. you know, like talking 30, 40, 50 fish in yep. a school. And they would just come over the top of your kayak and, and hit you and hit the deck. And like, it's just so serene. And you just know you're in the middle of the ocean then. Like, yeah, can't see mainland can't see this thing that we're aiming for wow. middle of nowhere so special yeah that's cool and it makes you just go wow we're so we're so small and insignificant significant as humans you know like, yeah we don't get it in the cities and, and in our safety our comfort zones like you're yeah you're in cotton wool you know like yeah. you're actually safe you know exactly where food's coming from or yeah. you know the water comes out of a tap when you turn it um that's all so those cool. little things yeah it was really really humbling how deep would that have been there, ish? Um, deep blue, sort of. Yeah, not super deep because it's it would have been over the, um, over the shelf. Yeah. So not over the shelf, sorry, but over that that plane, yep. uh, of the Great Barrier Reef. Yeah. So about a hundred meters deep, maybe. Oh, so some it's sections. Deep Still enough. deep. Yeah. <laughs> very blue. Very very like open oh, ocean. Hundred meters. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because that's what you sort of well, that's what I sort of picture with my limited knowledge on the Cape is the. Great Barrier Reef is skirting the whole place right at the top, right? So you're not yeah. really paddling outside of that. No, we're well and truly inside of it, yeah. Oh, okay, but yeah. it's still that deep. Yeah. In just holes and gutters and... Yeah, that's right. Yeah, right. Yeah. Maybe not Maybe not quite that deep in that section, probably. I don't know, whatever, whatever it is, deep. it's still blue, it's still deep. There's no yep. way you're swimming to the bottom of it. Like, yeah, it's a deep blue. If you go down, that's it, so... Yeah, that's cool, so... Yeah. So, yeah, from there around to the top and finishing on Cape York is... Yeah. yeah give us a... Run down oh, it was a real... Up. Everyone had a different experience of it, you know? Yep. Um, Albert and I, having just spent the full two months and the six months before that planning and going through the whole process, this is like the pinnacle. Yeah. You know, so the day we got to the tip was three days before we'd actually finish. Yep. Because um, we had to paddle along the... Basically down the west coast then for a little bit to get to Sasia. Yep. Um, so the day we reached the tip was amazing. We... We were all as solid as a group that day. I remember yeah. we all paddled together. We were all like, <laughs> we all came together, all five kayaks, and all held yeah. on to each other's kayak, and we were cool rafting up. Yep. We all came together, had a few laughs, told some stories, as recited a couple of poems that they knew. Like yeah. it was a real, real amazing group achievement moment, you know. Yep. Um, and a couple of our 
support crews are there waiting for us. So yeah, awesome. Um, uh, there's a couple of vets from Cape York that had helped us throughout the trip as well. Um, uh, my old man was there. Has parents were there. Um, a couple of the um, a couple of the other mates of the the guys were there as well. So it was a yep. really really cool group. Couple um, big bags of red frogs and <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah all the good stuff. <laughs> it was actually ended up being as we as we got to the tip, they were there waiting for us. Yep. Um, Dad and and um, and Az's parents they were waiting there. And uh, how you lost much weight? Yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah, we were. Like, what are you now? You're 85, 95, 90. Yeah, yeah, close and to that now. What did you paddle in there at? 70, About 70, 75? Yeah, right. Yeah. So Slim. lean. Lean. <laughs> we were lean. If you look at the photos of us yeah. by the end of the trip and all, yeah. the, all the videos that we got, yeah, yeah. we are. And this is on man. your Instagram, this, these photos? Not a lot of mine. Uh, no. Nah. If, if you want to see anything on it, it's probably Back to Basics Adventures, yep. B2B Adventures. Yep. Um, produced a bunch Did of... Did they YouTube kike, or? Yeah, yeah kike right. YouTube videos of it. So yeah. you can see bits and pieces on yours, which is... Very limited. Yeah. yeah. It's I, more Africa, isn't it? Sort of like what we are talking about before. I, yeah. I I spend so much time doing, you know, Instagram for business, I've burnt yep. out. Yep. And um, I haven't done justice to the kayak trip on there. Yep. Um, literally two or three posts since, and that's it. Yeah. So, um, I haven't even been through the photos. And that was almost that was a year ago. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, came into a job continue. after that, and I just haven't had the energy since. But yeah, but if they do want to look, Shane at Shane Ross. Photo. Shane Ross photo. Yeah, yeah. All is one Shane Ross yeah. photo. No underscores. No That's right. That. Yeah, they, you yeah. can check it out on there. But what an achievement! And to get to the top of the cape and have everyone there is like a celebration. And then you've got to paddle back down. Is that what you're saying? There was another two another two days of paddling to get down the west coast to get to Saitia. So yeah, right. You pass the northernmost tip yep. of, of Australia, and then you've got to go down. It's sort of yeah, it would be southwest. So you get there, celebrate, regroup, everything, and then you still got another still couple got of two days more paddle. days to go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we paddle. We hit. We hit the tip, um, and and those um, the our support crews were there. Yeah. And then we literally had. It was the first reception we'd had in two months. Yep. Um, right there in that bubble. Right there at that little bubble. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And the. Dad had his spread of stuff out. He had like a uh, be like a Christmas ham style thing, and yep. had sandwiches and stuff that he knew that me and Brian would love. And and as his parents had like all these other flash, you know, like dips and biscuits <laughs> and pate and all that sort of stuff. It was over the top. Ended up being like a food battle between the two of them. Like they would just oh, take yeah. turns to be like, "Oh, try this," and it was too much. Yeah. Like, imagine the sweetness and yeah. the, all those flavors after not having yeah, like you're on basics for two months. Yeah. We actually all sort of felt a bit sick after that. <laughs> um, just a, and then it'd be nice to be rich. back in the kayak then. Yeah, for a it was really good, man. Like, that's all good, but it's done and sort we're back like paddling again. Headspace, like, let's wrap it up. Yeah. Yeah, we know it's over Which now. Which is nice. Yeah. yeah, so we then paddled down to a place called Punten Bay. It's yep. a little resort there. Yep. Um, first place we could go that we could buy food and not have to cook it. Yep. Um, so we had pizzas there that night, and that was just like I remember that being mind blowing. We could order drinks at a bar, yeah, and that was really cool. And everything sort of ice, settled by then. The first ice we'd had oh, in two months, be, so that was amazing. Yeah, I bet it was, um, especially that's a warm things. time of the year. Yeah, being yeah. able to jump in a pool that wasn't salt water. Yep, uh, that was cool. Little things like that, and then next day paddle into Sasia. Um, that was probably my one of my hardest moments of the trip. I just wanted to keep paddling. Like yeah. I wasn't ready to be finished. Yeah, I feel like I just started. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to keep going into the Torres Straits from there, whereas all the other boys, like, they pulled out quickly. Some of the guys left that afternoon, that yep. same afternoon, so it ended really quickly yep. for me. Um, but, yeah, incredible, man. There's no no words you can put to how much that was. Yeah, no, incredible. I bet. What else? You're just saying then, like, ice, you know, they haven't had something cold like that. That's just nah. the refreshing feeling that that would, just the relaxation that comes through having an ice. I know it from out here hiking. Yeah. The helicopter drops you off a two liter ice water bottle. <laughs> you know, it's just like it's the best, your best friend for the next hour. And lasts. you take, you take your time, you know, <laughs> yeah. you don't want to get through it too quick because it's so nice. <laughs> but it's, it's melting. Yeah. 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 That's right. Um, it's like a cordial, you know, yep. something to flavor the water yep. when you've had straight hot, hot, yep water every day almost yeah. like drinking tea but without any flavor in it every day yeah. and then you can put ice and cordial in it it's like mind-blowing yeah you know <laughs> i remember just just being so ready for a, a burger like a burger was always that yeah. for me it's always that first comfort food when i get back yeah like, 
just want that meal it's got everything i want beetroot in it i want all that good stuff yeah. it's like flavors that you can't get at sea the simple things little things man yeah so so it's finished yeah you're there and you're done and then you've got to come down from that yeah man for the next really and process and yeah yeah yeah, all the other guys had jobs to go to after that, right? So yep. they, they went straight back to their jobs. They had homes. Yep. They had... Everything was was mapped out in a way, right? And, yep. and in in that sense, that still has its elements of, you know, challenges, depression, etc. Yeah. Um, but with... Uh, for me, uh, my business was in tatters, you mm. know? Uh, I had no idea what I was going to be able to do next. I, I had to move back in with my parents yep. at 36. Yep. And I just remember the car ride back was one of the most uncomfortable, hardest. I, I remember crying in, in the in the car, like mm. so tough, like so tough on the water, like every day facing these mental challenges, breaking everything down, being able to just survive all these things, and then sitting in an air conditioned car driving mm. back to civilization, just going, no, nah, I don't want it. This is rank. No, nah, <laughs> I don't. The phone's on phone calls coming through everyone wants to know what happened yeah that's a day of working oh, just catching mate. up with what that thing and doing. that that was my turning point i never went back to instagram and posted stuff yeah, since yeah right just fair like, enough nah, i kind of there's no way i can do justice to that no we did want to do like ocean film fest style release at some point yeah um and we always thought like i'd love to have caught it um actually i'm not even going to say i was going to call it because just in case someone steals it off yeah, me yeah. but yep. such a good so we got a lot of really good footage on that trip and the back to basics boys captured and you yeah, got so much man. time to dream and think and plan all that stuff in your yeah. life and just go oh there's all these opportunities and yeah humbled so so many times on the water but then that drive back was also like okay back to reality yep um now you've got to got to survive you've got to probably look for a job yep or you've got to live at home with your parents and hope that the safari thing happens maybe yep. the borders will open and that was that was the end of last year that was yeah. the end of 2020 and we yeah. still haven't even got interstate travel so yeah i'm glad i didn't hedge all my bets on being able to run <laughs> safaris last year because yeah. i'd still be in the same place yeah um yeah so it was a real challenge man really really hard to know what to do next yeah I bet. Uh, especially like because it wasn't my calling you know when you leave a job or you leave a situation you go okay well i'm leaving it usually by your own choice yep this was forced you know i was just mm. like oh i don't know how to beat that yeah i was also i was massively in debt for my safari year i had to pay back clients I had to pay for tours that didn't happen yep uh it cost me bad and i was i just knew like i've got debt i've got no house i've got no job what am i gonna this is why i want to stay in the water yeah so on the water all i need to do was catch fish every day and just live yeah, you know? yeah it makes cool. me think oh, i have moments now when yeah. i just go i could go and do that for the rest of my life yep and stay single yeah and, you know all of that I yeah guess everything changes once you've got a partner and the right one will let you go and do stuff anyway yeah. and dream with you and and support that absolutely and there's no reason why she's not there and all of that but it's just reality isn't it of balancing yeah. all these things and hard to get that balance hard to know what the what the next steps are you yep. know um yeah daunting man <laughs> yeah absolutely i'm going to finish that up there i want to do a part two i really want to chat to you about um the lion stuff we were speaking about before and about africa and about that sort of things so i really feel like first ever that i've done it on the any of these podcasts is to actually do a part two yeah right and to hear about that so Sick, if you're man. cool with that we'll yeah, take a break to. now and then we'll just have a chat about that yeah let's do it awesome all right guys i hope you enjoyed that and um <laughs> yeah we'll see you on the next next bit Cheers for tuning in to another episode. I trust you enjoyed it. To follow more of our journey, check us out on Instagram at Kimberly Spirit or the website KimberlySpirit.com. Stay stoked and God bless.